Hello, and welcome to the Miss Spirituality Podcast. Welcome back if you're a longtime listener, and welcome if you're new to the show. Um, as promised, this is going to be a part two to the Dante's Inferno podcast. And I really wanted to thank everyone who did reach out, who related to what seemed like a very vulnerable podcast. Um, if you haven't listened to it, then you might be a little lost, but um, go ahead and uh, check my profile on Spotify. There's Dante's Inferno part one. And um, I did want to thank everyone who was supportive and reached out and really resonated with um, the struggle of going through some very interesting times, very vulnerable situations, and some very turbulent times, I feel. Um, so thank you so much. Your words mean a lot to me, and it really does um, encourage me to keep doing what I'm doing, even if it just reaches one person and makes all the difference. So thank you again. In today's podcast, we're really going to go through um, the different phases of the nine circles of hell and how they do relate to the ascension of the soul and the quest of the spiritual journey. And um, I do want to have a preface to some events that happened before going through this kind of dark night of the soul um, and why it was important and how everything ties in together. This past summer, I decided to, during quarantine, invest in some spiritual classes to really progress where I was at and found that it was a great way to kind of spend my quarantine and really wanted to tap into my, my roots. And so with my uh, Reiki teacher who taught me Reiki 1, 2, and 3, and my Reiki teacher master class, she was having some online classes that um, one of them was shamanic journeying and the other one was um, spiritual protection class. And so we were doing this over Zoom and I thought this was an awesome opportunity to expand my knowledge and grow and really tap into myself since I was going to be isolated um, anyways. And it was such an interesting experience and I loved it. And in this class, um, it was a series of classes. I would say I took about five weeks worth of class. We met twice a week, I believe. Um, and it really, really uplifted me during this time. And I had such an interesting experience during this class and it'll all come together. Um, so some of the very important lessons I had learned were either reiterating some things I'd learned from childhood through the shamanic practices that were passed down in our family, we do come from a line of healers and um, spiritual um, folks. They were native. Um, I know that my grandfather was Mayan and they had these just embedded practices in their day-to-day -day life. And in 
um, some of the classes, we really did focus on um, learning how to cleanse yourself and tap into your spirit guides, which I'd already been doing, but this was such a, a wonderful experience and to be able to share it with like-minded people was amazing. And we called in our ancestors and spiritual guides. And in my case, there are some angelic, whether or not you believe it, there's some angelic beings that show up um, for me. And it's so important because during this time, this was the beginning of a few signs that that really did show that this was heading towards something. And I, at the time, didn't know. Um, there was a session in which I don't typically share too much of my spiritual experiences. And I know it's frowned upon, but in this case, it really does make a huge difference. And it's something that needs to be shared in order to fully understand this metaphor um, and how the story ends up uh, being something that is empowering and it's not uh, a sad story. <laughs> so we had the opportunity of working with um, people that were taking the class alongside us in Zoom and um, there was one occasion in which we learned how to utilize our spiritual guides, our ancestors, and helping heal um, our, our, our person that we were matched with. And I have a very strong connection um, with certain, certain concepts and certain things. And so we were paired up with our partner and... I was paired up with this woman and I, as a person who doesn't like sharing too much, I know, surprise, um, it's very hard to get me to open up, uh, considering I have a podcast, it's a very interesting habit to have, but, um, I really do what I do best, which is ask questions about the other person and get to know more about them than I reveal right away. And so she was a great woman and she was so nice. Um, and she told me about what was going on with her because we were able to ask if they, they had a special request that we could ask our guides to assist them in. And I didn't get a chance to, because we were timed and we had to um, have a one-on-one -on -one conversation with our partner so as not to share too much with everyone. So I was asking her all these questions and really getting her to open up. And we had run out of time, really, when it came to me. She was able to ask me if I needed any assistance. And at the time, I was looking for some sort of direction. But I left it really open. And I told her, no, just whatever comes through for you. And... We go into our journey and I have these visions and have this experience and then we then get um, awakened from and grounded again so that we can share what our experiences were with the, the person we were working on. And I go through and I'm not going to go into too much detail obviously 
Um, but she, I go through this experience and, and it was great. And she had really kind of confirmed a lot of the things that I had experienced for her. And I shared what I saw. Um, and then it was her turn to share with me what she had experienced with her guides. And she'd explained to me that she saw me in a room and it was in the living room that I was at because we could see each other obviously on Zoom and that she had seen me alone in this room and this light glowing behind me and how there was just all of a sudden all these beings, all of these beings around me, like the room was full of people and there were people and angels and they were just surrounding me and they were rubbing my back. And she said they were chanting something and she said they were chanting this in Spanish. She, she had explained that they were all saying in Spanish, she's not alone. She's not alone. She's not alone. And this woman doesn't know me. I didn't get a chance to explain too much, but I have such a, a tie to angelic beings and how they have come to me in some very, very dark times in my life. And one of them being when I was really young. And uh, that was one of the things I struggled with the most was feeling alone. But for her to, to say that, it just was such a amazing, uplifting experience for her to share that and, and say that to me because more than she even realized, she was sharing something that resonated deep within me. And it meant a lot. It was, it was confirmation for me. And so, you know, that was a beautiful experience, but I didn't understand it um, aside from just the things I'd struggled with in the past and, you know, going further into a few more classes, we learned how to call in our autonomy and detach and clear any attachments we had and pull back any malice that we may have unintentionally sent out. And the reason why this is important was because I was really clearing some energetic ties, anything that was going to get in the way of me making progress in my life and doing what I knew was my dharma, which was my life path, which was my soul calling. And, you know, I felt great after that. And so going a little further into the year, obviously from summer into fall, you know, quarantine wasn't over and uh, the holidays are a very rough time. And I, I didn't realize, um, I've done a lot of work, but there still was, as I explained in the last uh, podcast, there still was a lot of things there that I thought I had addressed, um, but things that were embedded. And so during the fall into winter, 
I was very active in my spiritual practices, really um, engaging with all of my esoteric uh, tools and pulling cards and remembering that at the last few months, I kept on getting the same message from every tarot card, from every reading anyone did for me. And the message went like this. Um, you are protected and you are where you should be. You are doing what you're supposed to be doing. And that's a really interesting message to continuously get considering I've made a two series podcast about uh, going through hell. <laughs> but it's important that I uh, preface this because your spiritual development doesn't always look like rainbows and sunshine. And just because you are uh, perhaps going through the dark night of the soul, sometimes it is exactly where you need to be. And you know, there was something there, I guess, was the point. There was something pushing me to continue and really analyze and maybe make certain decisions that I knew at the time felt like I, I needed to make those decisions because they were bringing up things for me. So... As they say, be careful who you uh, mess with because you never know who is protecting them uh, spiritually. Just a little note there. But I, going back to the point, there was a lot of, I guess, powering up. There was a lot of letting go because there was something else at play. And there was something that I didn't realize at the time was continuously. I mean, it was ridiculous. My friends could attest to this. Every single reading kept on, didn't matter who was doing it. And there were people who were doing it that didn't even communicate with each other. So it wasn't a bias. And there was nothing necessarily that would give the impression that I needed that confirmation. It just was continuing, continuous confirmation that you're protected. And looking back, I realized it, it kind of was like being a child. There is a, um, I don't know if uh, anyone can really um, relate to this, but if you are Catholic or you've had experience with, you know, traditional angelic imagery, there is this image that stands out looking back at that experience. And it is an image that you would have seen on calendars and candles. Um, and it's the image of an angel, a large angel and two children crossing this rickety bridge. Let me know if you know what I'm talking about. Um, that if I could put what the message was, that would be the image that would come to mind to sum it up, which was this time you're going through this and we have your back this time you're protected you are protected and don't get me wrong i'm not 
saying make stupid choices purposely. I'm not saying go and put yourself in danger and see how protective you protected you are. That's not at all what I'm saying. But there was a lot of experiences that I was going through that didn't always feel like they were logical or in my control. But there was a repeated message there. And so with that, um, let's go into the descent into hell. Now, we'll go into the nine circles of hell. Um, and I'll list them off. The first is limbo. The second is lust. The third is gluttony. The fourth is greed. The fifth is anger. The sixth is heresy. The seventh is violence. The eighth is fraud. The ninth is treachery. Now, if you live in America, if you live anywhere, just watching the world unfold and go through its phase of the dark night of the soul, um, you can probably take each one of these uh, circles and find a way that it's applied to you during this quarantine, during this transitional period um, on a personal level and also on a global level and a social level and every level that you can think of. So for me, this is a good outline as to what hell probably looks like. And I'm not going to go off of exactly what Dante's Inferno refers to because there's some things in the, um, the list in the circles of hell where they go into detail of what exists there. There are some things in there that I don't completely agree with. So I'm going to take that and uh, apply it to my own situation and uh, kind of just give it as a general idea of how this really um how this really does relate to the soul's dark night and facing these aspects of yourself your life your internal hell because everybody has different circles they're going to mean different things for everyone um so let's go through the first one limbo I feel like limbo is torture and um, the idea of staying stagnant and not moving and holding on to things that are literally weighing you down and stopping you in your progression, that is so torturous. Not knowing where you stand with people, being in a dead-end job, not being able to progress in your health, not being able to change your environment, not knowing what's going to happen in your life. I mean, the idea of limbo is essentially everything we've all been experiencing, like waiting for the next shoe to drop and not knowing if it's going to get better or worse. And uh, I think we can all kind of relate to that in our own ways and how this experience has been for us. Um, for me, I deal with anxiety and, you know, 
part of the shadow side of that is being attached to stability or having control over things. And as I have said in some of my previous podcasts during this quarantine, you know, it's really hard to to allow yourself to not have control over things, to not know. It, that's a really, really, you know, tough area to be in. But also part of that is also taking responsibility for things that you do have control over that is literally holding you down. And maybe, you know, this quarantine time has forced us to kind of look at the things that are holding us back where there really is the reality that some of these things aren't going anywhere. And um, I think that it, it was really, you know, me personally was in situations, I was in situations that really wouldn't, there were dead ends. There was nothing to it. And a part of me knew that. And I was putting myself in a place where, you know, we look for stability and sometimes stability, even if it's not what we want, even if it's not what's right for us or good for us, we're just trying to find some sort of footing during a time of chaos. Even if that footing is something that we don't want or is not good for us. And that is something we have to face within ourselves is what do you need more is facing that fear of not having control and facing the fear that you don't trust and also facing the fear of sometimes you know what you have to do but you're putting yourself in limbo because it's what you're used to because you're afraid of moving forward so uh, moving on lust I'm going to read you the definition. I feel like during quarantine, this has been also a very emotional time for people. But, and lust, whether you're attached to your phone or, you know, you're scrolling through TikTok or you're on Bumble or, you know, whatever app. Uh, it's, it's, um, it's something that I think that has also been pretty prevalent. Um during this time because we're isolated and so desire is running rampant because people are in their heads and they are longing for connection but let me read the definition lust is a strong craving for sex it can also mean a hunger for anything like lust for power while lust isn't a dirty word it is a strong word you don't have lust for something you don't really care about. Lust is a strong, powerful desire, whether it's a noun or a verb. You lust for things you deeply crave. Being controlled by primal urge, no logic or mindfulness in, and distraction. Those are, the, the last part was my input. This is where it goes wrong. There is nothing wrong with desire and there's nothing wrong with some basic lust but right now I feel when something controls you when something overrides your mind and forces you into this state of almost addiction I've seen this play out I've probably been you know um guilty of it 
But this idea that we're craving something, and we've seen it play out also in politics and whatever else is going on, is this power struggle. Like people are hungry and are willing to do anything for their desires. And I think that it's healthy when it's something that you are choosing and it's something you truly want. It's unhealthy when it controls your every action. When you're scrolling, when there's too many options, when you're, you're, you know, bouncing from one relationship to the next, when you can't be alone, when you are literally distracting yourself from your life. And therefore, this is fulfilling something that isn't really fulfilling anything. And uh, it's kind of giving up your free will. When you can't help it, it's controlling you. And that is something that I think, because idle minds are the devil's plaything, as they say, when you are doing extreme things to, you know, fulfill your time with this, this instant gratification, that's meaningless. And, you know, do whatever you want to do, but for the soul, for something that's fulfilling, we want things that work for us. If that works for you, then it works for you, then wonderful. But in the series of, I guess, circles, we are looking at things that are autonomous, things that are empowering, things that we are choosing and have a choice over engaging with, not things that are controlling us. So that's just something to think about. Uh, number three, gluttony. Well, we're, we're all guilty of gluttony. Um, but let me read the, the description. Gluttony, habitual greed or excess in eating. People not caring about those, need, those who are in need and overconsumption to waste. Indulgence as a distraction. So the last part, last sentence was my input. Um, just habitually being greedy, it's hard to not, again, mindlessly consume. And it kind of, when I hear this, it reminds me of um, like the Romans or what they used to do during the Roman times in Italy. Um, where they literally had a trough where they would have these pow these like immaculate parties, the rich would, and they would consume and eat and eat till they threw up. And they had literally built these troughs so people could throw up so they can eat more. It's not mindfulness. And it's also just kind of along the, the same lines as, as greed, I feel. And uh, there have been a lot of people who have had to go without during this time and have been struggling just to feed themselves or their families. And I think that there have been also people who have overconsumed things to a greedy, unnecessary, wasteful way. It's the power struggle between the haves and has not. And it's just something that was kind of on the forefront of things as, you know, we are moving into where we were still in a place where 
you know, we're not sure what our day to day is going to look like. And whether, you know, people would have jobs or be able to go back to their jobs. And it was um, kind of like a selfish way of being. Um, I mean, gluttony ties into the next circle, which is greed. Intense and selfish desire for something, especially wealth, power, or food. I mean, we saw a lot of this, especially at the beginning of quarantine. I also see this in attention and, you know, people just wanting to consume mindlessly, consume and take when they don't need everything that they're taking over buying toilet paper at the beginning or the rich getting richer and the poor getting poorer during the time in which the whole world is going through this trauma together, but there are people who are getting more selfish instead of thinking outside of themselves at their communities. I feel like this represents not respecting what you do have. I also feel like this is true and it does apply to lust where people are just jumping from people to people, not really you know, just looking for distractions. There is no respect or appreciation. It is wasteful. It is detached. It's mindless. And uh, definitely not an empowered state to be. The next one after greed is anger. We saw this a lot. I experienced it during this time. So, uh, anger, a strong feeling of annoyance, displeasure, or hostility. For me, I feel like this showed up in two ways, one positive and one negative. I feel like, you know, when you've been living your life in a way, or you at this time where everyone is on edge and, and kind of looking out for themselves, whether they realize they're in survival mode, this is all being triggered. Um, there are people who are, when they are mindless, they cross your boundaries and there is pent up hostility. And we saw the anger in people protesting because they were tired of, of the disrespect, tired of being in danger. They're just every, everywhere that the, the political state of the world, you know, the political state of the United States, there was so much anger because so much was coming out. And that's what I think was kind of needed during this time is to see the truth. And when you, you know, when you are ready or you have no choice but to face the realities of things, you know how that saying goes? You'll learn the truth, but first it'll piss you off. I feel like that happened. And I had to personally um, face some truths that really pissed me off. And uh, in some ways, there is a positive side to anger. It is a defense mechanism. It is something that needs to happen when somebody has betrayed you, when you feel something has wronged you, when you are being treated unjustly. Anger has a positive side. Now, how you deal with your anger 
is a different story. And we saw how people were dealing with their anger as well and how it can be self-destructive and it can be damaging to the environment, damaging to communities. It could come out in a chaotic way in which, you know, isn't really beneficial to anyone. Heresy is the next one. Belief or opinion contrary to orthodox religion, especially Christian doctrine. To me, this was the dogmatic belief and realizing that there were still constricting beliefs in my spiritual practices. Seeing people um, take spirituality and twist it into a way that was manipulative made me want to push against some of this um, spiritual community. And I think for good reason, because I never felt like I needed to be dogmatic. I always felt that the soul knows what's truth and we are all on our own spiritual journey. And when you see how people have created certain orthodox religions and there are some really wonderful ones that promote um, wonderful spiritual experiences and logic and and all that. But there are some things that are just not logical. And some people are scared to turn against it and blindly believe. This is where, again, the free will comes up. When you know better, but you are going to follow something blindly, that will lead you straight to hell. <laughs> I mean, really, it will. And people try to use these belief systems to manipulate those who are trying to uphold some sort of standard. But we always need to question um, how we're living our lives and always reevaluate everything and make sure it does apply and, and really does shape a life and the person we want to be. Number seven, the violence. Well, that goes without saying. All the protests and the reason for the protests, which were unnecessary deaths of innocent people and people taking you know, advantage of their position. I've seen this over and over and over, and we all have. And there was just there was just a reality check to that that this is the reality and some people live in fear and uh, it really was triggering for me and uh, lately just seeing the multitudes of women and there are women and men coming out this year or this past year you know these are, are celebrities coming out about their abusive relationship situations. We've come to like really kind of face that. People need to face, I mean, are we ready to face the truth? There are so many fucked up situations in which <laughs> are normalized through media, through the way that we're taught to behave with one another. And uh, speaking on... What I do know is that it's just a little too easy for people to get violent with you. As a woman, 
and there are men, there's just a little bit too much comfort in someone thinking that they can control you and when they cannot, feeling they have the right to aggress upon you. This is never going to do because that creates such discord and detachment and separation. I mean, there will always be reasons to protect yourself and there will always be some sort of new war, but this, you know, this isn't a way of life. And that goes back to anger. That makes me angry. And I'm just going to speak through to my experiences. There's just this lack of empathy that exists in this world right now. And having to face that and see it and experience it and also face it within myself that 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 violence begets violence, anger begets anger. These all fall in line really really spiraling and these are parts of us that you know we have to face we're not all perfect but we all have these these emotions and it's not about having them that it's everybody does it's not the fact that you have them that makes you a bad person or makes you dangerous it's what you do with that and some people really don't have the stop or the self-control because they are just indulging in these horrible aspects that that the world is really kind of I guess supporting right now and we really do need to face the truth that the world around us feels like this um fraud we see this every day In my experience it's uh I'll read the I'll read the definition. Using deception and manipulation for personal gain. I feel like lying. Omission of the truth. Painting something out to be something else. I feel like people who take advantage of your weakness or a time in which people are desperate to you know feel better you know, whether it's ads or politics, just manipulating or people who will tell you everything you want to hear and they're fucking lying. We get a lot of that. Um, but kind of seeing through that, because sometimes I feel like you want to be lied to because you don't want to face the truth um, because the truth is too inconvenient. But uh, yeah, we saw also lots of fraud in our <laughs> our political situation here. Um, there's lots of fraud in all politics, I guess. So, you know, finding what part of you wants to be lied to and what part of you is rejecting the truth. And uh, also just kind of making peace with that. I guess, aspect of you that does, re it rejects the truth sometimes. And, you know, the fact that we all manipulate a little bit to get our needs met and that we are in a world where sometimes it's, it's more common to manipulate to get your needs met than to speak out what your needs are and ask directly for them. 
And that's something I think we all can can be better about and owning ourselves and, and being authentic as to where we're at and that we're not perfect. And that's far from what I'm trying to paint a picture of, you know, in terms of myself, because we're human and there's no person on this planet that is a perfect human. It's part of our experience. It's part of the contract we signed. <laughs> All right. So that was number eight. And the last one, which for me, um, yeah, this is a, this is a, this is a bad one. This hits, it hits home. Like I, I hate this. Um, it's treachery. And it reads as a violation of allegiance of faith. Again, a violation of allegiance of faith. This is obviously a betrayal of your country, your home. It can be seen as a betrayal of relationships. Now, let me explain to you why this hits home and why I feel like it sucks. And this one really is, I think, one of the lowest uh in the ways that I'm going to explain it. One of the lowest ways you can, one of the lowest things you could do as a person. Uh, it's, it comes from people you allow into your life. It comes from people inside, inside your circle, inside the house. They're your neighbors. Worse, they're your loved ones. It is using, it's the ability to use your vulnerabilities against you because when you allow someone into your space and into your life and you share with them, they get the opportunity to experience you in multiple ways. Your happinesses, your, your weaknesses, your vulnerabilities, your joys, your strengths. That's very privileged information for anyone. And it is the ultimate betrayal. And these typically are weak, weak individuals because to use someone's weakness, to use their vulnerabilities as privileged information against them is hitting below the belt. And they will use it to, you know, this comes, this can be applied to any situation, including our country, including anything you can think of. Um, they use it to keep you weak because they know where to hit you. They use it to keep you weak and siphon off of you, to cut away at you, to level you so that they feel more empowered. They'll use it to suppress and hurt you. They'll use it to keep you down. To build themselves up. To shame you so that you feel weak and use you as a pedestal to gain personal attention. To throw stones while, you know, gaining admiration or sympathy or whatever 
while gaining all the benefits of being on the inside. And they will do it to ruin your reputation and project their own shadows onto you and make you out to be the bad guy. This is the quintessential Trojan horse. Yeah, it's a shitty thing to do. It's a a sickening thing to do. Um, But people do it all the time. And I think that the archetype in which portrays this so iconically is uh, Judas. And as the famous quote goes, uh, Judas, you will betray me with a kiss. This is what Jesus said to Judas at the Last Supper. Because he knew he was going to betray him. So, yeah, there you go. And you can take each one of these circles of hell and see how maybe you've been a part of that. We've all been been guilty as well of perhaps doing this unintentionally or intentionally to others. This is really facing your weaknesses because when you are going through these circles of hell, they're going to be individual to you and your life and your, you know, experiences. And when they are shadows like that, it's because you haven't come to a place of owning the weakness or the the trauma or the wound. And you have to own it in order to address it and to control it. And some of these may not go away. But they won't have control over you. You can feel violent, but not go out and hurt anybody. You can feel angry at somebody and not go out of your way to, you know, punish them. You can feel like you want to betray somebody without, or or you think a certain thing about somebody without having to... I guess, project that energy. You are still accountable for your actions and we've all made mistakes. But if you just blame other people for your own personal decisions, you will never address them and you will always be attached to that energy that you put out there and you will be stuck back in those rings and you won't ascend. You'll just go into a loop. And that in itself is its own karma. That's torture in itself, is going back up and down these spirals without ascending. Part of ascending is owning it. Part of uh, resolving and integrating this is to accept that we all have these aspects within ourselves and being responsible for that. It's not an excuse to behave that way because once you're conscious of it, you are now responsible for addressing and resolving but we aren't perfect this is part of our soul's evolution is to address these things Uh, so you might ask why would someone consciously go through this because it forces you to reanalyze your life why would you consciously walk through the nine circles of hell why would somebody write a book about this It's because it forces you to experience your own hell. And your own hell is based off of your own mind 
and your own measurements of how you want to live your life and what you're capable of and what you do and how you are. So, all of this is a mirror. This is just your personal hell. Everything you experience in life is a reflection off of you. And there are questions that come with that. To understand yourself better, you have to ask yourself questions. Like, how are you living your life? What exists in your mind? And as a result, how is it showing up in your life? I refer to this great book that I read about the programming of our mind. It's called Psycho-Cybernetics. It's written by Maxwell, Dr. Maxwell Maltz. If you haven't read it and you are into manifestation and understanding the programming of your brain, it's a, it's a good in-between um, with some spiritual aspects, but a lot of science involved. Um, I, I highly recommend reading it. Um, but he talks about the subconscious. The way your life is playing out, the way you live, it is all part of your programming. And when I say programming, we all understand that everything is a reflection. Or if you don't, here's a lesson for you. How you experience things around you is based off of what you know and what you have experienced. And so a lot of that and a lot of the things you habitually do in your life is based off of the programming that was put in place when you were a child. You learn everything from your parents. You learn everything from your caretakers and your experience. And I think it was between the ages of like eight months and I think like four. I'm not 100% sure. It was either three or four. Um, your brain is a sponge. I mean, as you're young, your brain is a sponge. But these are between those ages is where you learn how to care for yourself. This is where you are learning how to survive in the world. Um, but what happens, unfortunately, is that we basically just pick up things from our caretakers. And sometimes the things that our caretakers put in as survival mechanisms um, were things that were more convenient for our caretakers than they were for us. And they can show up as a self-sabotaging or definitely um, backwards thinking that can later on in life keep us in a certain mindset. And when we're in that mindset, your brain is already programmed. It's like a computer. It's like a, I think he uses the analogy of a um, air conditioning. And that part of your brain gets shut closed after a certain age around three or four four before five um and those are survival mechanisms and it's shut because those are basic survival mechanisms those are things that can't be tampered with and so you know we work on ourselves and work on ourselves on a conscious level but there is a subconscious level or that part of our primal brain that still has these rules so, you know, the idea that if someone was very negative towards you, if you felt like you were never good enough, or if your needs weren't meant, you know, there's 
Everybody has their list. Um, they will show up in your life. And your brain is wired like a machine, not necessarily to question why. You have to actually do that. As you get older, when you start to see that, hey, these programs are not working for me. They're really holding me back. Like, this is not good. And we have to address them. But it's hard if you're not conscious that those things are not working for you. And the way that you learn that they're not working for you is by observing yourself and owning them. And uh, your brain works so wonderfully. Your mind works so well that it protects those programs and does it without you noticing. It's a great book. You, you should read it. Um, but that's, that self-reflection is the first step. And they say if you really want to um, perhaps learn about what may be some subconscious thinking and programming, you can do a little meditation where you close your eyes, you take some deep breaths in and out, about five, count to five in, five hold and five out. You do this a series of three times. And then you picture a chest, like a little trunk, and uh, you visualize yourself opening it and you reach in as you ask yourself the I am question. And when you pull it out, you visualize in child's writing the list. And in this childlike writing, which is your child's subconscious, you will see a list of things that are core beliefs about you. Now, this could be as, you know, positive or negative as it can get. And you can try this for a little while, like sit quietly and, and give this a try. Um... And you will find I am smart, or you will find I am poor, or I am not smart, or I'm not loved. And, you know, <laughs> you might find yourself getting emotional in this, in this practice. So make sure you have time to kind of really concentrate. It could take about 15 minutes to 20, as long as you need. And then you can write down what you see. And, uh... Yeah, it's a, it's a really good way of getting in touch with yourself and your programming. You could do this as many times as you need to. And yeah, and there's a moving into just really reflecting on where you're at. And this is why we, we do that. This is why we need to know. We need to know where we're at. We need to know and face what has brought us here. And uh, this is a bit about self-help because I'm not going to go into relationships and all that nonsense because honestly, if someone 
doesn't want to be with you, if people around you don't understand, you know, the reality is like, fuck them. <laughs> like, fuck it. You know, I, the one thing that this quarantine has really should have really driven home for everybody is that we don't have time for bullshit. We don't have time to convince others of our value. We don't have time to jump through hoops and being something that is socially acceptable in terms of betraying the self or trying to be cookie cutter. As long as we are being authentic, as long as we are following our path, as long as we are not harming anyone and we are doing what we need to do to keep ourselves aligned and being conscious and taking accountability and practicing our self-care and doing what makes us happy. Let whoever doesn't understand that and doesn't respect that about you fall off because they shouldn't be in your life. And that was my point from before is there is no reason to keep people in your life that do not respect you or honor you or support you. You're not here to prove anything to anyone. And if they can't see that, whoever they are, then you just got to let them go. That's just a little disclaimer there. So, you know, there's a quote that I ran across and I love listening to, I don't know if anybody is familiar with Les Brown, who is a motivational speaker. He's funny and great. And uh, he has this saying, and I'm not sure if he got it from someone, but it goes like this. People prefer, I think it was a quote from someone else. <laughs> Anyways, and it goes like this. People prefer familiar hells to unfamiliar heavens. So part of this journey is really reevaluating our lives and also knowing that if you've been doing the work, there's a reason why you're being brought to certain things. There's a reason why you're circling back. There is definitely a reason why you are being brought back to this lesson. And you aren't going down again. You are, you are leveling up. It's a spiral, which referring back to the first podcast in that dream with the spiral, this isn't a spiral down. It can feel like that sometimes, but this is an ascension. It's a spiral up. And it, it does sometimes feel like you're circling back to where you began, but you're not really. And sometimes, again, just like in the whole scenario, this wasn't a punishment. It's not always seeing things that make you feel better about yourself. Sometimes it is addressing things that need to be addressed, especially if you're living in your integrity. And me personally, I've been doing a lot of work and I know who I am and I know that I've been getting better and I know what things I've overcome. So this wasn't a, 
a spiral back. This was a spiral up to reface the parts of me that don't need to be there anymore, that were still there. And that's why I got those messages, that I was protected and I was on track, even though it didn't feel like it, because I needed to go through it. I needed to walk through hell. My own personal idea of what was hell. And why would you need to confront these things that that make you crazed or shameful or unhappy is because we need to integrate them. We need to see ourselves in entirety. And if you've been doing the work in some way, shape, or form, you're asking for it. Not to be unhappy. Now, once again, not to get it twisted. You're not asking to be miserable. You're not asking for people to screw you over or treat you like crap. You're not asking to be unhappy. You're asking to ascend. You're asking to level up. But you can't level up just the easy way. You have to do it the right way. And that's why I did get those encouraging messages. Because I had protection. Because there were... This is bigger than me. Because in my personal story... um. There was more than that. There's more than me and what I want to do. There's more than me that I want to help. And so part of that journey is embracing and integrating. Just like in that dream that I talked about in the last podcast. Because I wasn't trying to be one way or another. I was trying to be all the way in between to embrace my shadow side, but not let it control me. And embrace my light side and not let it control me, but to embody the oneness. The universe is neither dark nor light. It is just entirety. And as part of your ascension into really having access to your full embodied self, because we're not trying to pretend to be completely perfect and all light and oh you know nothing ever happens we live in this world we are in a material plane this plane has ascended but we are still here to experience these things not to be beyond them and we came here for a reason at this time for a reason and in order to really fulfill that dharma you need to have access to all of your power and all of your power lies in your entirety. And the decisions you make, and again, going back to protection, the decisions you make still have consequences in this world. But you still should be owning your decisions. You should be consciously making them. And it's to remind you, you have free will. You do what is best for you, whether people understand it or not. But no, every action has a reaction. So make it worth it. And also remember, this is your life. And we don't have time to waste anymore. And as much as, you know, I'm not even going to go into the idea of time, but the, the truth of the matter is this body has a time limit. The world needs all of you. You need all of you. So you do have to face and walk through these circles of hell in order to really understand yourself. And as a result, 
you learn to accept yourself. You take inventory of your life. And what happens when you take inventory of your life? You take account for what you're allowing in and out. Where's your energy going? What are you doing? Why are, You're becoming mindful. You're becoming conscious. And whether you believe in spirituality or not, this is living life. You have up until a certain point where you no longer live. But, you know, what, what are you waiting for? Because the life you live today, you can't wait 10 years to live that. You may still be alive, but you won't be this young. You'll never be able to experience the things you experience right now the way you're experiencing them now. And so this hell, you say, <laughs> walking through this hell was a tempering. Tempering you as a, a person. When you've ever experienced something difficult and you come out of that, you could learn from it. It's tempering you, it's strengthening you and solidifying your soul and your life and who you are as a being. Everything else is temporary. And you can take control and you do step into your autonomy and that is your responsibility. Nothing more than to own your life and have autonomous control over your decisions and your mistakes because nobody's perfect. But make sure the mistakes you make work for you. Learn from them. And build the life you want because you're the only one that can. So... reflect, and gain immunity. For me, that makes a big statement because of the time we're living in now <laughs> with the virus, the shots, the, 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 you know, all of it. It's so symbolic because it has a lot to do with becoming immune. And for me, one of the things, like I said, my weaknesses it's a hard, it was hard for me to be, and you know, I'll always have to work on that it's being weak and making wrong decisions. Um, that you look back and you're like, why did I do that? <laughs> but part of that showed me, and all of the things that I feared people would do, like betray me and, and talk behind my back and, and use my weaknesses and me opening up to the wrong people and it happened, but I had come so far into myself that I'm not reacting the same way I used to. I'm a human and we're not perfect and we're not supposed to be. We're supposed to be an embodiment of, of ourselves and be the best we can possibly be and whatever that means for you. But it doesn't bother me. People can say whatever they want and they will. And they will. They'll break you down and they will hit below the belt and play unfairly. And one of the things that, that destroys me, that, that ugh, just gets to me is the unjust 
I'm a Libra rising for God's sakes. <laughs> the idea of things being unfair would get to me, but I learned to keep my, my quiet. I'm going to speak my truth, but my truth is my truth. My truth is not here to convince anybody anything else or defend myself. And know when somebody is, is lying to me, lying about me, or like deflecting and projecting, that has nothing to do with me. That's not in my world. That, that they are not part of my world. And there's a reason for that, because that's my autonomy. That's my decision. I can create and shape the life I, I want to. And that's a scary responsibility, but it is our responsibility to create that for ourselves. So what happens at the end of this? Like I said, it wasn't a sad story. You can then, as you make peace, begin to hold your head up high as you walk through hell, through your own hell, because you've made peace with it, because you've integrated it. We all always have our weaknesses, and it's not always going to be easy, but part of being present with yourself is knowing that you do have control over some things even though they may be uncomfortable, you have free will and nothing negative, even dark energy is not allowed to control your free will. That's one law of nature, the law of the universe, spiritual law that will never ever not exist as, as we have that gift. And you have to learn how to harness that. And part of that is being responsible for your free will and utilize it to create the life you want. Because once you do, you can walk through the deep, dark depths of your soul. You walk through the darkness and you're not fearful anymore. You've made friends with it. And that's how you end up being a healer. That's how you end up being an example when you can walk through the flames untouched by them because you understand your divinity, because you understand you are one with everything and nothing can hurt you. Not your soul, not the real you. And you can walk back and forth and help people. Not that you have to, but this is the story that I have is that I can, and many of people, and I've done this so many times, is that I can go dark, I can go down into the deep darkness of, of a place, and, and I could walk with people on the way out. That doesn't scare me. I can bring them back home. And it's a gift. And you do become untouchable then. And you are protected. And I challenge you to shift your focus. Shift your focus on creating that world you want to see in a positive light. That doesn't mean don't become, don't, don't go so far on the other side, which people have done too, is ignoring everything that's happening. You're part of this universal experience, but you do contribute and be conscious of what you're contributing and embody your expression 
It is your dharma. It's your right. That's why you came here is to express your whole self. And I challenge you to, to face that. Because until you face these dark corners, you won't sometimes know what that means because you're suppressing aspects of yourself. You're not, you don't have access. And that doesn't mean you go out there and act reckless and chaotic. I mean, some people do. There's always consequences to your actions, including negative thought on other people. So you learn to integrate and you become whole again. At the very end, it's the ascension. So how does the story end with Dante? He ends up getting through it. And he comes up from the depths of hell back to the world. He exits hell and comes back to this world on Easter morning. Which symbolically, I believe, is rebirth. You come back with all of you. If you can walk through hell, you're not scared of anything anymore. And in the story, him coming back on Easter Sunday morning was a dawn of a new day. It was, it for me, symbolizes rebirth and the opening of the Christ consciousness. It's ascend, ascending above like mundane, being part of the world, but not being of it. And so we are stronger and we are back and we are embodied and the journey goes on so that the next time we have to address things, we're not scared and we know how to tolerate it. And again, spirituality doesn't mean things are so perfect and that, you, oh, everything's so light and fluffy. As a spiritual creature here, we will be met. We can't control everything and we will be met with turbulence. Shitty things are going to happen to us. But we are stronger in our integrity. And when we're in stronger in our integrity and who we are, we can handle it. That's what we're meant to do is when we understand our wholeness in our place, in our autonomy, and we become embodied, not just research, not just, you know, practice, embody what you believe. And so, as I did this experience, as I went through what seemed like a dark period of time, I, I did come out of it in a more embodied place. I did let go of the things that no longer served me, that drained me. I did put myself first and those who needed me first. And moving towards really manifesting the life I want and I deserve and giving back. And it's a work in progress, but I'm showing up for myself every day and getting rid of the things that don't serve me, like negative talk, people who don't believe in me, people who don't put me, you know, in a, a positive light, people who are unwilling to deal with my shadow sides, you know, and it's, it's fine. 
it's fine. You know, you can't, you can't hold people. You can't hold it against people. If you don't, you're not for everybody and I'm not for everybody. And you don't need to feel bad about that because the people, the more you embody yourself, the people who you are for will find you. And remember, as long as you are in your alignment, as long as you are doing everything you need to do, you are protected. And what is meant for you, what is written for you is only written for you. And it won't miss you. It'll be there. And if you desire it, it's meant to be yours. It's just working through the heaviness and grossness of the world and befriending it, not fighting it, but befriending it and understanding it and making the conscious changes where we can and being part of an ascension, not individually just, oh, we'll screw everybody else, but being responsible for ourselves, but also allowing ourselves to be part of this world. And uh, I think with that message, I'm going to end the podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for your time. If you like this podcast, please like, um, subscribe to get updates on Miss Spirituality. You're on Spotify, Apple, Anchor. Um, and you can also find us on TikTok. I haven't put out any videos, but that's going to change. <laughs> And um, you can also find us on Instagram at Hand in Hand Love. It is my um, jewelry line company. And if you are interested in purchasing jewelry, now that we're going into um, February, which is prime season for Valentine's Day and gift giving, um, you can actually find some really cool custom crystal combination jewelry for vibrational healing. Um, and you can make your own. You can find that at www.handinhandlove.org. And if you have any feedback or feel like someone would really enjoy this podcast, feel free to send, share, like. And uh, thank you again. Love you guys. Bye.